You are listening to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 52. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm Monica Louie, and welcome to episode 52. I am so excited to bring you another incredible interview today. Today's guest is an entrepreneur, investor, online marketing guru, and startup enthusiast. But before we dive into the interview, if you're new to the podcast and don't know me yet, then I want to welcome you. I am Monica Louie, and I'm a Facebook and Instagram ads strategist. I run a successful ads agency where my team and I manage ads for six and seven figure online businesses. I'm also the creator of Flourish with Facebook Ads, which is my online training program that teaches my step-by-step system for creating campaigns that convert. My team and I have managed $2 million in ad spend and served more than 800 students and clients. And we are in the trenches every single day, keeping a pulse on what's working now in the world of Facebook and Instagram ads. And I recently shared on the podcast about my brand new program called Fast Pass to Facebook Ads. And this program is perfect for you if you know that Facebook ads are the right next step for your business, but you're not quite ready for ongoing ads management. So if that is you, I invite you to go to monicalouie.com slash fast pass to learn more and see if spots are still available. And while I absolutely love teaching about Facebook and Instagram ads, the goal of this podcast is to discuss what it really takes to build a seven-figure online business. And my guest today has several seven- and eight-figure businesses under his belt. I am so excited to bring you my interview with John Rampton. John is the founder of the online payments company, Do, and productivity company, Calendar. John is best known as an entrepreneur and connector. He was ranked number two in Entrepreneur Magazine's top 50 online influencers in the world. He was named a marketing expert by Time and a blogging expert by Forbes. And he currently advises several companies in the San Francisco Bay Area. And in this interview, we cover so much, including how a freak accident in college caused him to have to relearn how to walk and how that altered the trajectory of his life and business career. John shares his method for dealing with hard times in life, and he's certainly had several. He shares how purchase behavior has changed over the years and what's working now for selling online. Plus, we get into the ups and downs of building and selling businesses, including how John sold an eight-figure business and went from being a multimillionaire to a few months later being $240,000 in credit card debt in a matter of months. But after that, only a year later, he was back to being a millionaire with a business with over 400,000 customers. So we dive into that journey as well and a whole lot more. And this is such a great conversation. So I want to just get right into it. As always, you can find all the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash 52. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E dot com slash 52. 
All right, here's my interview with John Rampton from calendar.com. Hey, John, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm super excited for our conversation. I know you're going to have a lot of insights to share because you've had an incredible journey. So welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. So I would love for you to share who you are and what you're doing today. And then I'd love to go back into your story and kind of how you got here. Yeah, my name is John Rampton. I can be found online at johnrampton.com or at johnrampton on Twitter. And I am the founder and CEO of Calendar, also known online as calendar.com. Awesome. And you built and sold several businesses, correct? Yeah. Yep. And so did you always know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur or how did you even get started with your first business? So I always knew and loved money. And businesses was one way to accumulate more money. So I wouldn't say I I wanted to be an entrepreneur or I wanted to be a business owner. I just wanted to make more money. And it wasn't a certain number or a certain figure. I just knew I wanted more. So it was kind of a natural evolution of, hey, you know, this gets me to where I want to be in the quickest way possible. So where did that desire for more money, where did that come from? You know, it started when I was uh, was young. My parents didn't... I never really got an allowance or got this. You know, a lot of these kids are like, oh yeah, I get $2 a week or $10 a week. I guess $2 a week ages me a little bit. But, uh, you know, I never got that. My friends always got that. I always had to make money on my own. And when I got a paycheck, it went into my bank account and I could do things with that. Like my first thing I ever really bought was a pair of Air Jordans. Like Nike Air Jordans, they were the bomb and everybody was jealous of them. And I was like, plus they made me feel good. Like I loved wearing them. There's something I worked really hard for. And ever since I bought those, I've always been like, you know, the more money I have, the more cool things I can buy that really make me happy and the type of person I really enjoy being. And so when did that start to translate into, let me get creative and how I can make more money? I mean, it kind of started then. It kind of started when I was, I mean, probably like nine, 10 years old. I bought those and I saw, oh my word, I can buy more of these. And the more of these I have, then I can buy other things. And that makes me more and more and more and more and more. So, you know, from a very young age, you know, I started a paper route. You know, I went and my parents didn't do it. I went up to this guy delivering newspapers and I was like, hey, you know, I know my parents give you, you know, pay for this how much do you make on it? And he was like, oh, you know, I make like a dollar a month off them. And I was like, okay, well, who's your boss? And he's like, well, that's a weird question, but here's this person, you know? So I went to that person. I was like, hey, I want to make money doing this. And he was like, oh, well, let me try you out. And he put me as a sub. And then three months later, somebody quit and he gave me that paper route. And then I started getting monthly income and that was so much fun. And, you know, my bank account started growing and the cash I had kept growing, which allowed me to buy more, you know, at the time, cards and more toys and more this and things that I wanted and needed. But then my bank account grew and grew and grew and I just wanted to expand on that. So. And then from there, so I heard you also built a store outside your school. Yeah, I had a little candy store. So I just noticed that kids always liked candy. So I started, you know, bringing candy to school and selling it to friends and friends of friends. And it got to a point where everybody started knowing me as the candy guy. 
So I would go to Costco and buy candy and I'd be buy like these 36 packs of candy for like five bucks. And then I'd sell them for like a dollar each. And all of a sudden I'd make like, you know, 30 bucks on this. And then I got to a point where I couldn't carry that amount of candy in my backpack every day. So, and I, I would literally carry a table and my house was about, about a mile away. So I was carrying this little tiny table that I had taken out of my basement, not told my mom that I took. And then I would set it up across the street. And then all of a sudden a guy came who lived at that house and he was like, Hey, I noticed you always in front of my house. Would you like to, you know, leave the table here? And I was like, yeah. And then it turned into, that was like my first actual financial like business relationship where I rented space. Like he literally came and he's like, okay, if you're going to leave it here, I'm going to charge you $2 a month. And I was like, oh, why can't I just do it for free? And he's like, because that's not how life is. And this was like a freaking guy teaching me real business. Like, I mean, obviously he wasn't making bank on this. He was teaching me the principle but it taught me like, oh, I rent space in his garage. He gave me his garage code. And then I got a bigger table and he upped my rent to, I think it was like $5 a month or something like that. And every single month I had to pay it. But it, it really started teaching me you know, business. And then I started selling more and more and more. And then I hired my first employee, which got a table and set it up at the front of the school. And I had the back of the school. So we were hitting him from both angles. And I noticed his store didn't perform as well as mine because, you know, he was eating some of the profits and giving them away and blah, blah, blah. But it really taught me business. Ultimately, about a year and a half later, I ended up selling my business to that person who owned the garage. It was to his son. And his son bought it and took out a loan with his father. And he paid me to myself money for that business. That was really my first ever business sale. That is really cool. Okay. So about how old were you when you started this business? And then how old were you when you sold it? That was... I was probably like 10, 11. And I sold it when I was 13. Because my biggest deal was I was going to school there. And then I went to a different school. And I couldn't necessarily be there when school ended. So I would have had to close my business or hire multiple people, which I didn't want to do. And so what did your parents think of all of this? While this was happening, and did they know this gentleman who rented the, his garage to you so that they could um, verify that this was, you know, cool? Uh, they knew the person not that well, but you know, they didn't really know too much. They just knew that I was buying a lot of candy and then buying more candy and more candy and more candy, and then it got to a point where they're like, "Oh," and then they looked into it and you know would find out a little bit more about it. So I'd say the first like four or five months, they had no clue about it. But after that, they, you know, they found out and, you know, encouraged it. Yeah. So they did encourage you to keep going and getting creative. Oh yeah, for sure. So then from there, I mean, you have your first business sale at the age of 13. Did you create a new business venture and create new income streams in high school? You know, I didn't per se like that. I would do other little jobs in high school was where I got into a lot of the domain world. So people were selling these new domains. And I actually, I read the book Rich Dad along the line and I was like, oh my word, 
I can't afford a house. I can't afford $5,000, but I could afford domains. So I started getting a little bit into the domain flipping business. So that was kind of towards the end of high school. I had multiple jobs during that time. I taught rock climbing. I worked at an Einstein's Bagels. I worked as a janitor at an elementary school and I had a paper route. I was a, I was a little hustler. I worked a lot, but I, I worked because I really liked money. So as you're growing up your bank accounts, I mean, did you end up getting into investing or were you just saving all of this money and spending some of it? What did that look like? I mean, investing was more like investing myself. I always read a lot of books and then I bought domains and I would buy a domain for $100, then $200, then $1,000. And I remember one time buying a domain for like $3,500. You know, I think this was right after I graduated high school. And, you know, that was a really cool and inspiring thing for me. And, you know, when I went to college, I paid for college and I paid for this and I paid for that. And I could do things that other friends would, you know, their parents would pay for or they couldn't do because they couldn't afford it. So then what happened as you went to college? Did you continue building businesses and bringing in streams of income? Yeah. So I worked at a a small virtual tour company. There were five, six of us while I was there and I was helping build that business. You know, ultimately when I left, we were over 200 people, uh, like full-time employees. So we definitely grew that business. So that was kind of my first startup thing. I would say one thing about college, and this is for anyone listening to this, is I did go to college. I graduated with a degree. I think education is a very important part of what you're doing. While I was going to college, I was also working on side hustles and working at this job that we grew from, you know, five, six people to 200 plus people. So we were actually building something and growing something. But, you know, nowadays a lot of people knock school and go into it. I do want to say I believe school is a very important part. I met a lot of people there that I still have very influential relationships with and have gone on to do amazing things in the business world. That being said, while I was in school, I hated school. I find it kind of pointless. Uh, College and how they teach was not how I wanted. But I do believe that college is necessary because it teaches you to, you know, get to know other people, to work with other people and become a better you. It also, when you're going in for a job interview most people will just cut anyone without a college degree. They just won't even give them a chance. And that's becoming a little less and less important. But the initial process, people just cut anybody without a college degree, which I think is a mistake because you're cutting a lot of amazing people. You know, the Bill Gates of the world, the Elon Musk, the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world, you know, these baller entrepreneurs, a lot of them didn't graduate college. Now, a lot of them have now. But jobs would not have given them a chance had this not happened. So while I was in college, I went to my counselor and I said, hey, I'm just letting you know I hate school. But what is the degree that will get me a degree the quickest way possible? And the counselor understood me, understand what I was going for, and was the right counselor. And she said, hey, if you take these eight classes and switch your degree to an economics degree at the University of Utah, you can graduate in two and a half years. So that's what I did that day. And it helped me to graduate during that time. Sorry, that was a little bit of a rant, 
But I do want to point out to you know the listeners and you know you guys reading this that I believe in education. I believe education is a little bit flawed, but it is a way, and you it's a fallback plan for me. And it should be a fallback plan for you that if you're being an entrepreneur or you're working on your own thing, that if you do have to get a job, which you know, I'll go into this, every single one of my entrepreneur ventures has always started off while I'm at a job working and then I start my entrepreneurial adventure because I'm covering my base and then I'm building up my revenue and my income on the side to the point where my income on the side overtakes my job. Well, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I agree. I also went to college. I graduated. I knew it was important for me to graduate to get that piece of paper. But my attitude when I went through college was, I want to get this over with. But when I get to my job, which I thought I was going to do for 40 years, (laughs) that they'll train me with everything that I need to know. But I knew that in order to put myself on that path to have a lucrative career, that I needed the college degree. But also, I mean, looking back... While my path kind of deviated and then I ended up becoming an entrepreneur, I mean, some of my best friends I met while in college. So um, it was definitely still a very beneficial path for me to go down. And just thinking back to my 18-year-old self when I graduated high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I knew that college was a good move for me to give me the time to figure that out. Yeah. So then you graduated from college very quickly and you were working these jobs. You grew this company, but you were also working as a side hustle. One of your side hustles was at a construction business, correct? Yeah. Yeah. That was on the weekends and it paid super well. It paid me like 35 bucks an hour, which was amazing. So do you mind sharing what kind of happened because of that? Yeah. So while I was up there, I worked on the weekends. So weekdays, I would go to school and work my job. On the weekends, I had another job that would you know, give me additional money and revenue. And I worked at a construction site spraying off construction equipment and spraying out gutters. Not glamorous. It's crappy work. You know, it takes a lot of physical energy. It was good exercise. Like I really enjoyed it. Well, while I was there spraying off equipment, I had earphones in and obviously looking the opposite direction, uh, a person in a skidster, which is one of those big things that scoops dirt, was backing up and did not see me and ran me over. It ended up snapping my leg in half, like foot not connected. So it was, uh, it was not a fun day. I remember like looking down and like standing up and like I was in shock, so I wasn't feeling pain. But looking down on my foot, like I wasn't standing on my foot, I was standing like on the bone. And I was like, oh my word. So we quickly, we ran to the hospital and the doctor was literally like, hey, you know, you're going to lose your foot today. And I was like, oh, hell no. And I'm like, and he's like, but we can't operate because there's so much pressure and your leg is the size of literally like a basketball. So he's like, I can't operate today. You have to wait three days. So I'll give you some drugs and put some stuff in you and let the swelling do. And then we can basically put back as much as we can and amputate the rest. And I was like, oh. So I, then I went to the next doctor and the next doctor. And then we were like, no, we're not going to amputate it. We're not going to do this. We're just going to put your foot back together. So they put it back together. But then every single doctor was like, you will never walk again. Well, this was, you know, a kind of a hit for me, you know, because I'd already had two surgeries and I was told by literally 11 straight doctors that I would never walk again. 
And that basically changes, it, it changed my perspective on life and really made me like contemplate, you know, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? You know, I can't work. I can't walk. I can't be a salesperson and go from this to that. I'm going to have to be behind a desk job for the rest of my life and potentially in a wheelchair or on crutches or, you know, get a fake prosthetic leg. And so today, I mean, I met you at FinCon and you're walking seems just fine to me. So how did you go from being told that you're never going to walk again to now? I mean, meeting you, I had no idea until I learned about this later. Yeah. During that time, I didn't take no for an answer. And I ended up finding two doctors from foreign countries that I'd researched online and heard that they fixed ankles and bones, specifically like tib, fib, tibia, fibia, and all the ankle bone. And that they had worked on several other patients and performed kind of miracles on restructuring bone and a lot on like stem cell therapy and regrowing bone. So I contacted them and I said, hey, basically, I'm your perfect case. By that time, I had already applied for workers' comp and appealed to the state of Utah. I was in Utah at the team. And Utah said they would cover any and all liability on my foot, which is a very rare case. So I contacted them and I said, hey, I have you know, the state of Utah paying for this and I have this. I would love to do whatever experimental. And they contacted me. One of them contacted me, Dr. Horowitz, Horowitz. And he basically was like, hey, you know, we're super busy. And I'm like, dude, like I am 23 years old. I was told I'd never walk again by 11 people. I will do whatever it takes. And I will be your guinea pig. You know, if I don't walk, I've been told by a million people that I'm never going to walk. So whatever you do is better than that. And he was like, okay. So they flew in and they did a big surgery on my leg and repaired a lot of things. And I spent the next 13 months in bed. And for the first nine of that, I was spent with a catheter inside me. I could not even get up to go to the restroom. I had a person come sponge bath me where I had an ice machine and five to 10 pounds of ice on my leg, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I had that for seven straight months. And that was the first time, I mean, a sponge bath, a person, literally a nurse would come and bathe me. And then all my fluids would go out in bags. So they would just come change my bags. Um, I could not move my foot at all. And then I got on crutches and I started doing this. And then I, about 13 months in, I had to learn how to walk again. I would literally start at the deep end of a pool that, you know, like a kid's pool. And I get all the way up to my, you know, my neck. And then I would walk from side to side. And about every week I would take about a half an inch, I mean, about six inches to a foot in, you know, so I was a little further out of the pool. And over about four months, I learned how to walk again. Um, And that's how I learned how to walk. I would do that for four hours a day. I would walk back and forth from side to side on the pool for four hours a day. And then I would go do physical therapy for another two. So I was about six hours a day working my bones, learning how to walk again. Then the rest of the time, I was side hustling, man. I was trying to pay for things, trying to build up my bank account, 
trying to build myself up. But I, I learned I couldn't walk to people and I couldn't you know, go sell things. So I started learning how to sell online. Because I was like, you know, if this, this whole leg thing doesn't work out, you know, it was, you know, at that point, even walking from one side of the pool to the other was excruciating pain. I'm, you know, I was kind of reality was like, I probably won't be able to really walk anywhere. So I started really learning online marketing and how to sell businesses and how to sell people online and what it took, you know, what really make people tick online. So that's when I became what I am today. That was the beginning part of my journey on really understanding myself, really understanding what I valued, what other people valued, and then how to sell them online. So it sounds like, I mean, I'm just in awe of like your continued motivation for all this time period and what you had to endure and what, I mean, you had to have, you know, people sponge bathing you and then have this ice around you all the time. And with all of that, what kept you motivated? Or did you have kind of like ups and downs with your mood? Like were there days where you're just like, oh, this is just, you know, awful and just kind of wallowing in it? Or were you just always like, nope, you know, every day I'm going to keep trying? I mean, I definitely experienced some depression. I experienced hard times. I mean, during this time, I mean, I was freaking addicted to drugs. Uh, you know, the oxycontins of the world was how I dealt with a lot of my pain. So, you know, part of my thing was, you know, that's super depressing. It's super hard. And getting weaned off that, I mean, I, I literally remember one point where I was in so much pain that like, again, not to go into dependencies or drugs, you know, it wasn't the happiest point of my life. I remember like smashing up oxycontin because if you smash it up and put it in your mouth or under your tongue, it takes away the pain a lot quicker. By the way, I'm not trying to tell you that to help everyone on this podcast, you know, get away for things or get away from life. But that was just the reality of it is I was in so much pain and having so much of a hard time. You know, I was literally dealing with every single day that I might never walk again. You know, what does that mean for my social life? What does that mean for finding a future spouse? What does that mean for this? So yeah, there were definitely depressing days. You know, I couldn't get out of bed. You know, my wife now um, makes fun of me because when people say Netflix and chill, I know how to Netflix and chill. Like I can sit down and watch like all eight seasons of Game of Thrones in one sitting, not even getting up. Because it doesn't bother me sitting there and having people bring me food. I mean, I can literally watch for 24 hours straight and not get off the couch. Because that was my reality for about 12, 13 months. Um, so yeah, during those times, I for sure got depressed. I for sure got that. And you know, those listening to this, I may talk about, oh, I'm successful here. I'm successful there. And you hear these wonderful times like, oh, Bill Gates, you know, this. Mark Zuckerberg, this. Oh, this person, that. Like, it's not all roses. Like there's hard times, but those good times overpower the hard times. And I didn't let those hard times overpower the good times. And I forced myself out of that funk. And, you know, it started by me getting outside and, you know, learning to really enjoy walks. I still to this day probably walk one to three miles a day outside just because that helps clear my mind. And anytime I start going to a darker place, I go out for a walk. And even if it's freezing cold outside or scorching hot outside, I force myself to do it. I get a hat 
get a cold, a really nice coat, and I force myself to go out there where I can actually enjoy something that is bigger than me. So I'd recommend that for you if you're ever in a dark place or really, you know, not sure where to go, get outside, go for a walk, do it by yourself. Like really get to know yourself and who you are. During those times, I was able to come up with business ideas. I was able to work through issues that I was having and really get to know myself on a deeper level. Very cool. Well, thank you. I mean, I wrote down a bunch of what you said and you said, I mean, it sounds like the determination and, you know, not taking no for an answer with being able to walk. I mean, that can definitely parallel with entrepreneurship and the challenges that we face as entrepreneurs. And you said you didn't want to take no for an answer and you were going to do whatever it takes. And so you were all in. And so that drive and that spirit and learning how to walk again and, you know, being able to endure that have you, I mean, seen that that has helped you, my guess is yes, and your success with business. For sure. And so you mentioned that you were learning how to sell online while you were bedridden. And so what did you learn from that experience? How did you start to begin to find ways to make money online? Yeah. I mean, these were a little the early days of like Ebays and PayPals. And, you know, I just started like buying things at the store and selling them or learning. I got more into a lot of the behaviors of human beings online and started tracking you know, what people do, how they interact with a website, what causes them to buy. I would chat a lot with customers because I was sitting there doing nothing. So I'd hop on the phone a lot of times with customers like, Hey, why did you purchase this? What made you do this? What made you do that? You know, I, I would say I spent two to three hours a day talking with people on the phone mainly because I needed the human interaction. But at the same time, you know, I wanted to find out what truly makes them want something or need something and then build the best experiences for them to be able to sign up and do that. It, I also had a little bit of luck. Like I chose some of the right products to sell. I started paying attention to you know, some of the trends that were happening. I got to really know like what causes... Google to, you know, this upcoming startup, Google, to actually rank websites. You know, how do they rank that? You know, is it content? Is it links? Is it this? Is it that? I started doing that and getting my own websites and other people's websites in, you know, the rankings and stuff like that. So I started figuring out, you know, what it takes and how it takes to sell online. And so I'm curious, since you started in the early days online, I mean, what has changed and what has stayed the same as far as how people engage and interact with websites and find you know, what they're searching for online? I mean, human behavior is evolving. So people used to not trust a website or trust this or trust that, but now they're gaining a lot more trust. So the human behavior isn't, is the same as it was 10 years ago it's just becoming more and more trusting in it. So so that's opened up the online world and that's why we see so many, you know, blogs and and online businesses getting started because people are realizing that there's this potential. Yeah. How did you start making income streams when you're back there learning how to walk again? Back then I was still working for that same company that you know helped people sell their homes online. It was a real estate virtual tour company. So basically, I made a sale. Every time I made a sale online, I got paid 8 to $16 per sale. 
So the more sales I made, the more money I made. And I had a lot more time to figure out. So like I figured out like, oh, like people would buy things off Craigslist. So I started posting on Craigslist. And then I was like, oh, that's interesting. People would buy off Craigslist and I could email them and auto. And I built these little things that would auto email people. And then I was like, you know, there's this internet thing and Google's starting to rank the best agents in the area. So I went and built this little scraper thing that went and looked at it, basically typed real estate agent Florida. And it searched and it went to the website and looked for a phone number. And then it then took that phone number and put it into my text messaging, which I connected my phone to my computer. And it would send them a text message and say, Hey, do you have any new listings? I'd love to get those set up. And that's kind of how I was making money at that time was I was building and coming up with unique ideas like that. Like that one, I was... I mean, now it's actually considered... It's part of can spam rules. So you can't do it anymore. because I was kind of spamming people. But I was sending out like... One to two million text messages a day. Wow. And, you know, it was building it up and sending out these text messages. But from that, you know, when I started, when I got hurt, on average, I was selling about 10 sales a day. But by the time, like, I got hurt and really started, you know, leveraging online, collecting data, texting people, emailing people, posting on Craigslist posting on this. I mean, I got to a point where I was posting in every single city in the US on Craigslist every single day. I built something to automatically go do that. And then it was texting all these people. So they'd be hit by like three different angles. And I got to a point where I remember like coming into a sales meeting and my average daily sales was over 400 sales a day. My average. And the next highest sales rep was eight. Oh my gosh. And I was like 400 a day. He was eight a day. So like I was building up these things and obviously I was making money. And then I got to a point where I was like on Craigslist and it wasn't going fast enough. So I basically went and posted job postings saying I would pay people $6 to $14 per sale that they made. And if they made it, I would pay them within 30 days of their sale because that's when I was paid. So then I hired all these mini little sales reps online and they were doing their own little side hustle while I was doing their side hustle. So, you know, it, it one thing led to another and it just started growing, 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 growing. And so then did you eventually sell that company or I mean, because you were working for this company, what did your next transition look like? My next transition, you know, I went from there and, you know, we were only helping like business owners and real estate agents sell their homes online. And every single day I was having, you know, one, two, three hundred people that were individuals and they wanted to list their own homes, but they didn't want to list it with a real estate agent. So I was like, I really want to help these people out, but, you know, there's no way for me to do it. So I went and basically I went to my boss and I said, Hey, I will teach you everything that I'm doing, but I'm going to take that and I'm going to clone our software and take it to the other side and start offering it just to homeowners. And he wished me well and said, Okay. And he was like, Here's some of the code that you can use. And here's some of the things you have exclusive rights to using this, you know, our software and go for it. 
And that was my first real by myself entrepreneurial endeavor where, you know, I, I launched the company, I did it by myself and grew it and I sold it. Very cool. So you saw opportunity and you saw a way to help people. Correct. And so do you mind sharing, you know, what you and I spoke about right before we hit record? I asked you, you know, because my goal is always to provide value to the listener, but then also when I have guests come on, I'm so appreciative of your time that I want to make sure that this is a win for you. So I asked you what would make this a win for you? And do you mind sharing what you said? Yeah. So in my life, and I attribute a lot of my success to helping people. Like pure, just helping people without expecting anything in return. And I find if you do that, it eventually will come back. Well, I've actually attributed it to numbers. I find that one in every 10 people that I help... Now, this is truly helping them out without wanting anything in return. One in every 10 people that I help will help me back in some way, shape, or form. One in 10. So I will help 10 people. One of them will help me back. One in every hundred people that I help will turn into a financial relationship. So I help a hundred people, only one of those will turn into a financial relationship and actually money my way. I then find that one in every thousand people that I help will turn into a multi-million dollar relationship. So it just means that I theoretically need to help three people a day and truly, truly, truly help them. And that will attribute to a million dollars in revenue for my business or businesses. That's wonderful. And, and that's so achievable too. So I really yeah. appreciate that. And, and I just I mean, break it down to, you know, it breaks down to, I need to truly help three people a day. Now, it didn't always start off like that. It didn't just start day one where it's like, oh, I'm helping three people and all of a sudden I'm making a million dollars. No, it added up to that. And it, take, it took me a couple of years to get up to that. But I found some of those original people that I truly helped. Now, when I say help, like I've helped people out financially. I've helped people by writing about their businesses. I've helped people by just going over and shoveling snow off their driveway or just going over and giving a hug. Like that can be truly helping somebody. You know, one of the biggest charities that I help out with is called Open to Hope. I have to put a pitch in there because I love it. It's opentohope.com. We are the largest grief and recovery site on the internet where I have interviewed probably 10,000 people on video asking them how they found, how they got past grief and loss. You know, helping people out without wanting anything. We're a 501c3 nonprofit, privately funded. We don't ask for donations. We just help people when they're experiencing a loss in their lives. They just lost their daughter. They just lost their husband. They just lost their mother, father, whatever it may be. Like that's me out there helping. So it doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm trying to do this or I'm trying to do that or I'm trying to get money. If you're trying to get money out of people, it will show through. But if you're truly helping somebody without anything, wanting anything in return, I feel those relationships, if you can do three of those a day, that you will become very financially beneficial. Like it'll be financially beneficial in the long term for you. It'll you, also make for a better world. Yeah, so true. Well, that's what... I mean, that's the whole goal of my business and why I even started my business is that I wanted to find a way to help people and you know, have it be a way that I can make money from eventually. But I wanted to start by helping people. And I know that I want to use my time and my energy in this world to help people make the world a better place. So 
when you said that, I mean, I just wanted to make sure that we that we touched on that. And are you tracking this every day? Like, you know, he, these are the three people that I helped today. Is that no. something that you know? It's just uh, just a number that you know that you're shooting for. Yeah, it's a number that I shoot for. I actually, I shoot for a little less now. I actually shoot for one meaningful relationship that I impact on a daily basis. It usually turns into two or three, sometimes four or five, but one like truly, truly, I help them on every single day. Very cool. I love that so much. I think that's something that we should all be shooting for. And just being more aware of, of how we can help people and just having a focus on it is just going to, I mean, have a ripple effect in the world. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you built and sold that the real estate business. It was software to help people sell their homes, homeowners sell their own homes. Yep. Correct. And then where did you go from there? So from there, I ended up working for the company that acquired us for about a year. So I worked in their corporate office. I was known as their Twitter Twitter intern. Very highly overpaid. Uh, they paid me hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to basically that was part of my, you know, they purchased company, they gave me a check and I had to work for them for 12 months to finalize the rest of my payout for that company. So that was a nightmare. It was the worst situation ever, but it was what needed to happen to sell that company. And it was the right move to sell. They actually ended up closing the product down and shuttering, basically closing the company and re-changing everybody's positions three months after they purchased it. So basically, oh. it was kind of a, we just don't want this out there in the world. But that being said, I learned a lot of it, a lot from it. After that, I was looking for what I was going to do next. I found a little company called Organize, um, where I came in and bought the company. Had a wonderful team and a wonderful product. And I thought I could make a really big difference. And so you bought Organize and then what yep. happened? You know, we started growing the product and you know, there were struggles there. And we actually ended up buying a company that uh, the previous owner basically committed fraud and told us that it was doing certain numbers and it was doing... It basically said, oh, it's making 100000 dollars a month and it was really losing like two hundred thousand dollars a month. And wow. but it took us almost probably like seven months to figure it out. Because our money just kept disappearing and we were like, oh well we're growing. Because you know, I came in there and I used what I'd used in the other companies and basically, you know, rewrote some of the things, fixed the website, changed it over, eliminated bad processes. You know, we we're heavily invested in the company. But the company was still losing money, and we were just kind of baffled every single day. But you know, we just kind of rolled with the punches and put more money in, and you know, crew it. That's what you do as a business owner. Uh, but it got to a point where you know we had 10x the revenue of the company in a matter of like seven, eight months, and like the company was still losing money. So then we hired an outside accounting firm to come in. Then covered a bunch of fraud and fraudulent emails and stuff. And we basically went back to the owner and said, Hey, dude, what's going on? And then he went quiet and it, it ended up in a big old lawsuit. So, like, I come off this high of a business and selling a business for tens of millions of dollars, come in, purchase a company, and it's fraud. And to the point where he wasn't doing it and the company went out of business, and I was the guy in front of the room and I laid off every single employee and maxed out my own credit card to give them two weeks severance. Oh, wow. 
And like literally, I was like $240,000 in credit card debt. I'd sold my car. I literally had been married three months before this. So we got married. Three months later, I went from being like a multimillionaire to in three months being like negative a couple hundred thousand dollars. And I couldn't even afford my house payment. I'm like not house payment, my rent payment of $1,100. So I basically cleaned out my whole thing. I borrowed a friend's truck. We took everything out of the apartment. And I told the person, I'm like, hey, I can't afford to live here. And they're like, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And I'm like, I'm out of the apartment. You can rent it out. Like, You have six days left to rent it out. Sorry, I can't pay you anymore. And I remember getting in a truck and driving from... This was in LA. And I remember driving to the Bay Area, which is kind of where my roots had been and have been. And I remember like halfway into the trip, I was in the kind of moving slash borrowed moving truck. And I did not... like My credit cards were... Every single one of them were maxed out. And I remember having to ask people for money to fill up the truck because that's how broke I was. And me and my wife, literally, we slept one night in that moving truck. Like, so, you know, again, you guys listening to this, 10 months before that, I had tens of millions of dollars in my bank account. And I put a big gamble and tried something and it didn't work out. So, you know, kind of back to rock bottom, you know, but that being said, it wasn't rock bottom at all. It was just a rock bottom from a money perspective. But I moved back to the Bay Area. I had friends that I'd helped out. Like we ended up moving into, you know, somebody's house for a month that I'd helped out. Literally because I wrote about them. I did a story on this person in Entrepreneur Magazine. And... I put it out there on social media. I'm going to be in the Bay Area. Does anybody have a place for me to stay? And that person reached out and he's like, Oh, dude, you're awesome to me. I'd love, I have an extra uh, bedroom at my house. You're more than welcome to stay in it as long as you want. So we moved up, moved into that thing. And six months later, I had paid off 100% of all my debt. And I was just doing consulting for companies and helping people out. So that's why I I go back a lot to helping people out and unbiasedly helping them out because I had helped a lot of people out unbiasedly and helped them out without wanting one thing in return and truly, truly helped them out. And I feel that came back to me at that point. Like that karma that I built up for a long time came back to me at that point. And a year later, I mean, I was back to making millions of dollars. So from nothing, to then negative, it was like 240 some odd thousand dollars in debt. To a year later, I think me and my wife had like four or five hundred thousand dollars in our bank account. So that just doesn't happen by chance. It doesn't happen like even if you're selling things online, you have to build it up. Like I attribute a hundred percent of that to just unbiasedly helping people out and not wanting anything in return. And that those numbers just keep growing and growing and growing. That's an amazing story. Gosh, thank you for sharing that. So when you were building this back up, so you said initially the first six months that you made money by consulting, and then did you start another business at that point? Or where did you go through in a year's time having millions of dollars again? 
Yeah. So basically what it boiled down to is I just kind of took my whole marketing thing and like how I do it. And I went back to kind of the Craigslist model where I went into people's companies and I said, Hey, I'm going to sell your product. I get a percentage of it. And I went on Craigslist or other places. I hired people to sell it. And I made a little bit of a cut in between. Well, at that time, I would all of a sudden... Like I went from having you know no money to having a bunch of money, but then thousands of people invoicing me saying, hey, I want to be paid. I want to be paid. I want to be paid. And it got to a point where it was just insane. Everybody was messaging me from like all these different angles and all these different invoicing platforms to the point where I was like, screw this. I'm just going to go build something that makes my life easier, makes my accountant's life easier. So I went and built an invoicing platform. And I forced every single person. I said, if you want to be paid, you'll use my system. Nobody else's system. So everybody was like, all right, well, we want to be paid. So we'll use it. And then all of a sudden, all of them were doing that. and Life was great. And then one day I look and my server went down and people weren't able to get paid. And so I restarted it and then it crashed. And then I restarted it, crashed. Well, then I looked and I'd had 34,000 people that had signed up for that product. So the people who I was paying were then invoicing other people and then other people started using it and started using it and go, 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 go. So I was like, oh, interesting. Well, I could maybe make a business out of this. So I did. I went and made a business out of it, started charging people money, and then it started making money. Funny, right? Wasn't something I was even trying to do. Started making money. So then I went and I was like, you know, I should make this a legitimate business because, you know, right now it's just going into my personal bank account as a side hustle. So I went online and I said, oh, I know domains. I'm still buying domains. So I went and found this domain called Due. D-U-E.com. It's like, oh, bills are due. That could work, right? So I went and bought Due.com and it was for sale and it was on an auction and I was making money at the time and it was $130,000. And the guy was like, no, I won't... Like that was what I had in my bank account. Literally... I had like $131,000 or $132,000 like in disposable cash. Not tied up in investments, not like floating for like doing this. That was like available. So I went to him and I'm like, hey, I'll do this. And he was like, no way in hell are you going to buy it for that. So I went and I was like, well, I'm a pretty good marketer. How about I give you a little bit of advice and help you with your business? And he was like, mm, all right. He stalked me, saw that, saw that I was good. And then I ended up acquiring that and... That became a company and you know now we have about 400,000 uh, people who use it and it's growing. It's a good business, profitable, and you know, it's, it's fun. That's awesome. I love that story. So you just, I mean, you created a solution for your own headache and then, I mean, it was obviously a great solution and word spread. Uh, yep, pretty much. Okay. So now, as you said at the beginning, now you're the founder of calendar.com. So can you explain how that has come about and what you've got going on there. So Calendar came out of a need as well. I I was using a competitor or competitors and they didn't really do what I wanted it to do. So I said, hey, I love my calendar. It controls my life. So I'm going to go build the best calendar out there. And that's what we've been trying to do ever since. Very cool. So what can we do with calendar.com that normal calendars don't do? So, I mean, there's a million different things. It's like a Swiss army knife, you know, whatever tool you want. Some of the main things that our customers love is uh, you can connect all your calendars in one place. So your Microsoft calendar, Google calendar, 
Apple Calendar, Outlook Calendar, you know, Office 365 Calendar, 20 different Gmail calendars. You can connect them all into one place and see everything that's going on at one time. So that was something that at the time, no other calendar really did or did well. Um, next thing is I have meeting after meeting after meeting and I want you know somebody to take notes for me. Well, calendar will automatically call into... If you want it to, you don't have to, but if you want it to, will automatically call into every single one of your meetings, record and transcribe the entire meeting. Put the whole transcription back into an email for every single person that was involved in the meeting. You know, little things like that. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. When booking a meeting, it's like I send people a little link and then they can go schedule a meeting with me. It doesn't take any of my time. And coming very, very soon, you can tag every single one of your friends and it will only give you the times that work for every single person. Little things like that are just like, huh, my calendar really should do that, but it doesn't. So that's what we set out to build. That's awesome. So huge time savers. I mean, the transcription, yes. I can definitely use that for team meetings and things and then tagging the friends and, and seeing everybody's availability in one place would be amazing because yeah. we have all these separate little tools to, that do all of those things. So to have it in one place, I think would be a huge time saver. Yeah. Very cool. Great. Thanks. That's why we <laughs> built it. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you, John. Lots of lessons learned through your journey. And so I appreciate you sharing it all. But final words for somebody who is just feeling like they're hitting a rough patch or maybe they're not experiencing the growth in their business as quickly as they would like, what would you say to them? I'd say keep going. I mean, there obviously is a point when you need to give up. I'd say if you're at that point of, oh, well, should I give up or not? Maybe go get a full-time job and work on this on the side and build it up to the point where you know, I didn't even quit my last full-time job. I did not quit that job until I was earning two times what I was inside my job, outside my job. So, you know, just take a chance in yourself. If you haven't started something, start something. If you've started something, keep going. If you've started something that's not working out, go get a full-time job and work on this on the side. That might be all that your side hustle is meant to be is on the side. And you might not find satisfaction. I know a lot of entrepreneur friends who quit their jobs and they hate their lives. They're working far more hours and it's not worth it. Then again, I've met others who love it. Find what's right for you. Follow your passion and really, really get to know yourself and what makes you happy. Great. Thank you so much. And folks can find you at johnrampton.com and at johnrampton online. Yep. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right. I hope you loved that interview as much as I did. I loved hearing all about John's journey of ups and downs and growing and selling businesses. And my biggest takeaway is the tenacity and perseverance he's displayed time and time again. First with his accident and relearning how to walk when 11 doctors told him he would never walk again. And then again and again with growing his businesses over the years. And I want to thank John Rampton once again for joining me on the podcast today. I loved this conversation and I'd love to hear your takeaways too. So thank you for listening. Please share those takeaways with us in the comments at monicalouie.com slash 52, or you can tag us on Instagram. I'm at Flourish with Monica. 
and he is at John Rampton. And you can find all the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash 52. And thank you so much for joining John and me today. As I mentioned, all the links and resources are at monicalouie.com slash 52. And if you found this helpful, please leave a rating and review so that more people can find this podcast. It truly helps get the podcast found by more people. And subscribe so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. And next week, I've got another amazing guest interview heading your way. So subscribe so you don't miss it. My guest is sharing how she and her business partner have built multiple six and seven figure blogs while traveling the world. She's sharing their journey to six figures per month with us next week on the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. Please take care, stay healthy, and let's flourish. Flourish.